Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Okay, we're back now with our guest, uh, Samantha Harris, and she's the demonologist and author and uh, has her own company. Um, So um, let's uh, let's get into this. Uh, How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ellen. Thanks for having me on the show. It's such a pleasure. No, oh, it's, it's 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 actually an honor to have you. I, I just love uh, love having you here. This is great. Um, it's a subject I sort of wanted to get into before, and uh, never had the uh, guest, uh, you know, really uh, qualified like this. And, uh, um, so now, th- the first thing I want to get into is like, uh, um, now a demonologist. So what what exactly is that? Well, demonology is kind of like all the other ologies. It's the study of something. And so demonology is basically the study of demons. And what's interesting is is most oftentimes people will think of, you know, fallen angels or evil entities. But demons back in the day actually referred to angels as well, too. But there's angelology in in separate subjects and stuff. But what I specialize and focus on is really the removal of severe hauntings and studying demonic hauntings and severe cases in which people are being, you know, physically harmed um, and and where the haunting's gotten to such a point where um, their life's being controlled and and they really can't move forward. They're at, like, the end of their rope. And so oftentimes I'll uh, get requests and referrals to these cases in which, you know, maybe another paranormal group wasn't able to deal with it or didn't feel comfortable with it, or maybe a church member or clergy member sent uh, the case over to me. Or sometimes we do have churches that um, 
are unsure or unable to help with the client. And so we get a lot of forwarded uh, cases over to our group as well. And so, yeah, basically I just study um, um, demons in severe cases in particular and, and try to remove those for people and improve their lives. Wow. So, so how would you describe a demon then? Like what is it exactly that you're uh, looking for in a demon? I guess that's kind of a weird way of saying it. But. No, and, and it's hard too because, you know, with the paranormal field, a lot of this stuff's all like theory, you know, can we actually prove this 100% um, in terms of scientific evidence? It, it's a little tricky sometimes, especially with demons. But, um, you know, a demon to me is a very ancient entity or spirit, basically. Um, but to me, it's an inhuman force. It, it never had walked the earth as a human. Um, it's never lived as a, as a person like you and I have. Um, and, and the objectives of these entities, these evil forces, basically, um, really is to break down people's faith, their happiness, their health, um, even finances. And it kind of sounds goofy and abstract, but when you look at the entire overall picture of a family, when they have a demonic haunting, it really does affect every aspect of their life. And um, so what I'm looking for in cases are, are they severe? Are they violent and negative in nature? Are they sacrilegious? Um, you know, so say if someone is, you know, praying or has a religious item in their home, is it being targeted by the entity? And there's just different characteristics and traits I'll look for to help discern between if it's a human spirit or if it's inhuman or demonic in nature. Um, and so that's really what I look for. And usually I'll counsel with the family or client beforehand and uh, try to pinpoint where the haunting happened. And oftentimes a lot of the cases that I work on include families that are severely dysfunctional. You know, we have issues of alcoholism or substance abuse or domestic violence um, or chronic illness even. Um, and on occasion, you have people that just move into a residence and there's a demonic entity residing there. So it, it just depends, but it's a lot of um, putting different pieces of a puzzle together to really figure out and pinpoint, you know, the origins and why the entity's there. Right. So, so is it like, no, is there a religion that's connect it with demons like a lot of people think okay a demon's part of the devil and so um do you have to have a belief in a religion um i don't think so i mean the concept of demons honestly is like a global worldwide thing you know they have different names around the world for example in the middle east you know people believe in what are known as jinns or what we refer to as genies um but what's interesting is there's very various beliefs whether a genie can choose to be good or bad um, whereas kind of more of a Western view of demons or that they're evil and that they've fallen from grace from God. And um, and it actually kind of stems more from a, a Catholic view. And the reason why that happened is back in like 560 A.D. to about 600 A.D. Um, is when demonology actually kind of first started happening in which the church started assigning names and hierarchies for demons um, but, you know, demonology didn't really come onto the map until like the 1970s with Ed Lorraine Warren um, with their famous Amityville horror case. So so it varies. But really, um, you know, the Warrens are Catholic. Um, but it just depends. I think um, a lot of people around the world believe in these entities. So it doesn't really require a certain religion. But our Western view really does tend to be Christian Catholic or Abrahamic in nature. Right, right. Well, it's just because I do get, uh, you know, a lot of people always are asking questions or sending into the uh, radio station, and they're always asking questions about that. And uh, uh, a lot of people think that they've got demons in their, you know, or they're being followed and stuff like that. And uh, but they they have no uh, no religion, right? They don't believe in a 
a god per se or anything like that so um well there's like a lot of christians that believe in demons and and sometimes it's interesting too and and not to hopefully hopefully not to offend anybody um but a lot of um, some christians believe that you know all spirits including human spirits are demonic and evil um whereas you know other people believe that there's a difference between demons and, and ghosts and stuff like that too and um most of them tend to be christian i would say um you know, it's interesting. I've, I've actually worked on a couple cases and one which involved an atheist who believed in life after death, but just not God and, and was dealing with a demonic entity. But um, it, it was interesting. So I think it just depends on each person's views. But oftentimes, yeah, I would say it's like a Christian Catholic um, uh, type of background for most people that believe in demons, I think, in, in here in America. Right. So, so, so when you get these uh, investigations or something, or, or someone contacts you or about uh, a demon or, or some real bad entity that you've got, um, how do you, how do you discern? Like, how do you pick out that it would be a demon or, or you know, not something else? Or is there certain indications that really stick out? Right. Um, well, I did study. I have a background actually in abnormal psychology, but my my degrees in communications, but. I really took that course just because it's so, uh, I mean, many courses, but um, that uh, um, specification and field because it's really important to make sure that you're not dealing with, you know, a mental illness to begin with, you know, or maybe it's a um, side effect from medications or maybe they are having, you know, visual hallucinations or things like that. So you want to narrow that down first, too. And then usually I'll go through a list of characteristics, you know, are people being scratched and burned? Um, are, are there violent attacks? Are they having reoccurring nightmares? Um, you know, things like that to see if it's more demonic in nature. Um, and, and this one, I'm going to throw my credibility out the window here. <laughs> but, um, you know, ever since I was little, I've had, you know, what I call like psychic um, experiences. I don't, I don't really consider myself a psychic or a medium per se, but I, I do have some abilities that I just haven't harnessed. And, um, ever since I started working on demonic cases, almost every single true demonic case I've worked on, I had like a premonition or a nightmare um, the night before th this person ever contacted me regarding the case. So it was like I would have no idea that person's going to contact me the next day. And that entire night, I would have horrific nightmares of a demonic entity. And then I go to my inbox and I'll find a request for help with possibly a demonic case. And it turned out to be, you know, a demonic entity. So. So to me, it was, it was interesting, and it started to follow a pattern. I'm like, well, maybe that's a good heads up on what I might be dealing with. Um, and also, there's a, as goofy as it sounds, there is a feeling of discernment when you come into the house. Um, I, I, to, dis, to describe the presence of a demon is so difficult, but it's literally like uh, being locked in a jail cell with like Hannibal Lecter and your Clarice or something. It is like the worst <laughs> feeling ever. Um, and I try to make light of it because it's just so oh, terrible. Um, but, you know, everything in your body is telling you to like, get out of the house, like just for your safety and survival. Um, but you got to stay there to help the family, you know. And so, yeah, usually I can sense the entity or the demon when I'm in the house. Um, and even before that, like even before I get to a case, I've had um, two occasions now at least where I've had an entity or a demon actually show up at my house um, before I performed a house blessing for the family. And I think it was kind of to try and like scare me off, you know, cause they don't, they don't want you helping these families or clients because that's like their prey, you know? Right. Well, what's, what, what do you think they're, what is it they're out for then? If they're not like, if they're not like a ghost or a relative or something passed from a person, um, what, what is their objective? You might say. I mean, I think it sounds pretty um, intense or maybe outlandish to some people to say like, Oh, they want to claim your soul type thing. But I really do think that, 
their role here, um, they play off like the weak and the ill in a way. And that, um, you know, they encourage an alcoholic to have another drink. Why not? You know, things like that where they, they break down your life and they feed off these people and families. Um, they feed off negative energy. So they'll actually create fights or scenarios in which um, just the overall happiness and health and finances of family starts to degrade and they thrive in situations like that. Um, I really think it is to break down people's faith and happiness and just drain them of, of their their essence, I guess, in life. And, um, you know, sometimes it does result in possession, but demonic possession is so, so rare. Um, oftentimes it's demonic oppression, and, and really these entities come into these homes to oppress the families and, and to really wreak havoc and torment them. Um, you know, just the idea of destroying and isolating them. That's really, I think, their objective um, 90% of the time. And uh, just just unpleasant doesn't make sense to us. You know, we have like logic and reasoning and, and empathy, you know, and compassion for people where <laughs> whereas demons don't care and they have a goal and they're set on achieving that. <laughs> so 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 then uh, so in a possession, do you have to bring someone in for that? Like a, or what 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 what's kind of if that happens, where, where, where do you have to go for that? I mean, oftentimes, it, and I, I do not want to bash on churches or anything like that, but um, at least with um, Catholic exorcisms, it's very difficult to get an official exorcism passed. I mean, you have to have hard evidence. You have to deal with the diocese, the local people, um, like group and organization, um, and it gets passed on. There's a lot of waiting usually, and oftentimes they don't get approved. Um, so there's actually a lot of people out there nowadays that will perform like unofficial exorcisms. Um on the cases that I've worked on closest to an exorcism in terms of possession, um, it was really borderline. It was a 19-year-old boy and his family, um, and it was really borderline between demonic oppression and possession because, you know, he would have periods where he would just black out, you know, and, and couldn't control his body. He was swearing, became violent. You know, it took so many people to try and control him. You know, to me, it sounded possession. <laughs> yeah. And uh so anyways, but um, it actually worked with a house blessing. And, you know, a lot of people think, oh, a house blessing, that's just for a home. But really, the approach that I take and kind of put together is that I counsel with the family. I get everyone working as a team. And we're really cleansing the people's lives, and they're reclaiming their home and their life. And um, it's a very spiritual therapeutic experience. And even though it's, you know, quote, unquote, a house blessing, it really is cleansing the people and exercising the entities from themselves as well, too. And it, and it works. Um, you know, I do believe there are cases where you still need an official exorcism and, um, thankfully I haven't had to resort to that. So that's good, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it does happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so what is there that you do, uh, let's say for protection or stuff like that, or is there a specific way to go about it or is there something you tell also people you go to that they can do? Right. Well, I've taught a lot of people if, you know, I'm not in their area or it's been across the world, you know, I have people from even Africa and over in Europe, stuff like that, that contact me. Um, you know, I teach them online and I also list free instructions on my website on uh, michiganpre.com. I teach them, um, you know, different house blessing methods. And the one that I've used um, that works for me, you know, I've performed over 80 some odd house blessings and uh, with a 98% success rate. And out of the two that really didn't work, um, you know, there was issues where, you know, they continued to have, you know, alcoholism or things like that that are out of our control, you know. Um, but, yeah, so I try to teach people how to protect themselves and, and to perform their own house blessings. Um, what I do for myself, you know, I kind of have 
it's, it's, I kind of go into like a meditative state, you know, and I pray to, you know, God, great spirit, whatever divine creator people believe in. Um, you know, I pray to God and I ask for protection and I do call in Michael, the archangel and, um, you know, the divine ministry basically to protect me during the stuff. But <laughs> interestingly enough, um, since working on demonic cases, you know, the series of bad events and mysterious illnesses that I've had to deal with seem to like uncanny to me, but granted, yes, it could just be coincidence. But, um, so sometimes you're like, well, maybe there isn't a hundred percent protection. You know, it, it does take a toll on you when you work on these cases, you know? Right. Well, it's got to, it's like anything in life, right. That you're right. doing. Right. Uh, so now where did you get your start? Like, how did you get into this sort of area? Right. And I think it's funny, too, because a lot of people are like, you're only 25. Like, this is so weird. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, and, and yeah, it, it's interesting. I think sometimes, honestly, demonic, um, well, spiritual warfare. I mean, that's that's really what it is. Um, aside from studying it, I mean, I'm actively involved in removing these things. And, you know, it's not me doing it. I believe it's our divine creator that works through me to do this stuff. Um but yeah, uh, when I got my start, I would have to say the first time I worked on a demonic case was when I was 17 years old. Um, but before that, when I was about 11 years old, I captured this image of a female spirit apparition. And like, I was just dumbfounded. I was like, oh my God. And I took it to this photography specialist who's worked there for 30 years. And he's like, I think you've got something legitimate. You know, it's not a double exposure, all this other stuff. And to me, it was just so fascinating. And I had already had you know, seeing spirits and hearing things and um, paranormal psychic stuff since I was young, since about like three or four years old, actually. So by 11 years old, I kind of had an idea something weird was going on outside of our uh, perceived realm of existence. And um, and from there, I just really dove into research and case studies and um, actually investigating things. And um, I guess what led me into the severe hauntings was that you know, I would investigate these homes and, you know, verify, like, yes, these people have a, a spirit in their home. And I just felt terrible saying, like, confirming that and then just leaving. I was like, what can we do to help and, and push this further? Like, how about we get rid of it, you know, and, and, and put people to peace, like both the living and the dead. Um, and so I started working on that. And when you start to deal with more paranormal cases, eventually you tend to run into something evil. And I wanted to be prepared for that. So I studied so many different religions and cultures and really started to put together a method for um, the most potent methods from all these different religions and cultures to remove these demonic entities. And um, so I really started focusing in on it um, after I was about 17 years old and, um, and just started working on cases, I guess. Hmm. But how, how, well, how was that as a teenager? Like, how was it in your life then? Like, uh, I, I mean, right. uh, how do you date? <laughs> I I, uh, I try not to uh, bring it up. You know, I'm a very friendly, like warm, loving person. But yeah, it is definitely weird. And, you know, it's, I feel better, though, because most people like, you know, what is it? 72, 73 percent Americans, you know, believe in the paranormal and stuff. But it is more difficult when you bring up demonology because that's like a subgroup of the paranormal umbrella. And so for people to believe in that. And it sounds so medieval, yeah. you know, it, it makes us think of like, you know, what they used to do back in like the psych wards and stuff. But prior to that, 
you know, blaming everything on demonic possession and demons and stuff. Um, and I'm glad we've moved away from that. But there's still stuff that I really do consider demonic hauntings and, and cases that I cannot explain scientifically. Um, but, yeah, you know, I had a great childhood growing up and stuff. And I, I was actually somewhat pretty normal. <laughs> and, um, and it was just something I kind of did on the side. You know, my friends, like, are freaked out about it, So we just don't talk about it. And I respect that. And I don't want them to be scared, you know, and, and stirring up, you know, negative fears and stuff like that, too. Um, but, yeah, and so I tried to live a life outside of it. But to be honest, like every day for hours, you know, I have email responses to do and, and people asking for help. And, and to be honest, it's like, it's hard because, you know, you need to work and pay the bills and stuff. But for this, you know, I do it for free. I just ask for people to make a donation to cover my supplies or gas and, um, you know, driving expenses and stuff like that. But other than that, you know, it, it's hard to make a living and work in this, but I feel such a calling to do it, to, to help people. It's, it feels rewarding, you know? Yeah. Do you ever think of um, getting into TV or movies or anything like that? Yeah, that was a good, I like that segue. It was a good lead in. Um, <laughs> I saw that you were talented. So. <laughs> I've done this well, before. <laughs> yeah. Well, interestingly enough, well, back in like 2009, I got like my first taste of, of filming because um, I was actually offered the sequel to Paranormal State um, for, I think it was A&E Network. And um, anyway, so that fell through because of the contract. I was not a big fan of it. And um, since then, over the years, I've been offered um, several different television shows, but it'd be goofy things like, you know, girls in bikinis and paranormal stuff. And you're just like, oh, this would be a slap in the face to the paranormal community, you know, and I really want to be um, thorough and ethical and legitimate and, and really hopefully make some progress in the paranormal community if I ever were to do a show. So excitingly enough, um, next month I'll be flying out to LA to be filming a sizzle reel um, for a possible television show. And a sizzle reel is like a brief little three to four minute highlights uh, film of what the show would be about and the characters and stuff like that too. Um, and it's the first show that I'm really excited about possibly doing because it actually includes an aspect of my dream show, which kind of includes like, you know, teaching about spiritual topics and things like that. Cause I think that would help evolve our society um, greatly. <laughs> and um, so I, I'm excited about that. So we'll see if any of the networks pick it up, but I think, um, a television show would be great. I mean, there's pros and cons, too, because you don't know how the editing is going to turn out and if it makes you look like a Fruit Loop or not. Um, but I think it would help educate people and, and help them realize that they can help themselves. Like, you don't have to be some holy ordained person. Like, I literally teach people all the time how to do this on their own. And it's more potent when people perform their own house blessings, in my opinion. Um so, yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping that it would kind of just raise awareness about how people can deal with this and they don't have to live with these severe hauntings. You know, because some of my clients, oh, gosh, they, they've had hauntings for over 10, 15 years on up, and it just, I just don't know how they do it. Um, so anyway, so, yeah, so we'll see if we're going to be doing television stuff. Um, one of my cases was featured on Discovery Channel's A Haunting, and I think it aired on um, Destination America, but I think it's – season five or season six, but the episode's called Blood Visions. And uh, they did a great job on keeping true to the story. Um, the acting is a little different. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, it was, it was interesting to be able to do that. And, and just from that episode, I've had so many people contact me and, and excited about learning how to do their own house blessings and are really appreciative about it. So that makes me happy. Yeah, yeah, it can be a good thing. It can also be a bad thing. But, right. I mean, that's good. Okay, well, we'll take a break, and we'll come back and uh, get a little more into it. Thanks. Sounds great. Okay, and we're back now. And uh, 
And now we were left off talking a little bit about movies and TV and stuff. Now, I was just wondering what your impression is of how TV and movies and and media in general kind of represent demonology and, and even the whole ghost hunting field, how you think it sort of is portrayed. Is it true to life or do you think not really or... Um, you know, and I think it depends on each different production or show or whatever. Um, but, you know, there's truth to a lot of them, but there's so many different fabrications and embellishments and stuff like that, too. And what worries me, I mean, first thing, I, I'm really excited and happy that, you know, the paranormal and demonology even are becoming more socially acceptable and, and talked about, you know. Because I remember when I was younger, we had like X-Files and then that was it. And then this big boom in, in paranormal shows it's, it's really opened up a line of communication, whereas back in the day, you know, you'd get thrown away in the, the insane asylum, you know, for talking about these things. So I think that has um, made a lot of progress in the paranormal community and in society as well by having these Hollywood films and, and television shows. But then there's setbacks, too, where, you know, um, it might imprint or put a bad idea in someone's head, you know, for example, like paranormal activity, um, where, you know, they're messing with the Ouija board and stuff like that. And so people see that and they're like, oh, you know, that's fake. And, you know, maybe their friend challenges them. Well, no, it's totally real. Let's try it. And they go and buy it and they don't really learn or respect the uh, process involved, like protect yourself. Don't just, you know, do divination or spirit communication without protection, you know, things like that. And so I think it can also lead people to getting into trouble. And one of the shows I, I remember was on for a really brief moment and I started some petition and I had a bunch of other people write them too. Is, I think it was on A&E, but it was like extreme paranormal. <laughs> and uh, if I, th- I remember right, the guy like cut himself and was bleeding on the floor trying to summon a demon. And I'm just like, oh my God, like what a terrible idea. Like what, where is Hollywood going with this? So, so I got upset about that. But in terms of um, you know, demonic hauntings and stuff, you know, like The Exorcist. Um, I feel like that is fairly accurate. You know, Exorcism of Emily Rose. Um, you know, a lot of the characteristics that they show in those movies are, are pretty accurate. You know, uh, you know, the demon doesn't let the host or the, you know, the victim or the demoniac really eat or anything. They starve them out. They, you know, sometimes have writing on their body, you know, mysterious scratches and burns, you know, the um, arcane and ancient language that they sometimes speak in, such as like Latin, you know, stuff like that. There are, um, you know, the top characteristics that they show tend to be pretty accurate, um, although demonic possession is rare, um, and they've kind of made it seem like a, a common thing. It is rare, and um, but yeah, most of the time, I, th- I think there is truth to a lot of the films that they put together, but there's exaggerations, you know, like for The Conjuring, for example, you know, they piled together different types of um, incidents or um, pieces of different cases and piled it into one movie and then also embellished things as well, too. So, yeah, so sometimes they just have to do that to keep the movie going and to keep people entertained. Um, but it, it'd be great if they could stick to the truth, you know. Yeah. Do, do you have a favorite, one that you think like all-time favorite of yours? Uh, movie or? Um, this one's not really well-known. Okay, well, this is off-topic. One of my favorite like horror films is probably Evil Dead. It's like a cult classic, and it doesn't even count towards what we're talking about, but... <laughs> It's one of those movies that's so bad, it's good. That's why I love it. Um, And, of course, it was produced by a fellow uh, Michigan State Spartan, so I'm very, very um, happy with that. But um, one of my favorite movies, honestly, was Session 9, and it's about an abandoned insane asylum that this crew begins to work on abating or removing asbestos from. 
And slowly but surely, this demonic entity that resides in the insane asylum starts working away at these people's sanity, and they don't even realize it. Um, and to me, it kind of personified how demons really do function. They're very quiet and silent, usually. Um, most people don't even know they're there, and that's how they want it to be, because, you know, if they leave as evidence all the time and they're noisy, um, you know, people are going to reach out and look for help and, and try to remove that entity, and so demons don't want that. So. I think it's interesting to see how demons can play on people very subtly. Um, but um, so that's why I kind of like that movie too. But of course the exorcist is a classic. I love that. I was a, a weirdo and watched it in fifth grade in the basement by myself, like a weirdo. So it <laughs> uh, scared the crap out of me, but I was just like, Oh my God, you know? And so I think that's another reason why I'm okay with working in this line of work. I've kind of like desensitized myself in some ways where to me, it's just kind of normal, these like terrifying things. And they still scare me, but um, it's not as bizarre. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know. Yeah. (laughs) Well... There, there, there you go. That's uh, <laughs> now, uh, uh, now, you mentioned the the Ouija board. So, what's your belief in that? Um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, to me, it's a form of divination or spirit communication. And you know, gosh, going back to like you know civilizations of ancient times and stuff. You know, divination and spirit communication has been around for so so long. Um, and I, I don't. I hope I'm not offending anyone else either. But. I have a very strong belief that there are differences between spirits. Like I do think there's demons and I do think there's human spirits. Um, and I think that spirit communication can be actually sometimes a very healing thing. Um, I've seen psychics and mediums that have turned someone's life around. You know, this person wanted to commit suicide because, you know, their daughter committed um, suicide themselves. And she felt so lost without her child. 
And this psychic medium was able to connect with her daughter and reassure her that there is life after death, that she really was connecting with her daughter. And it reaffirmed this woman's belief in God. And to me, like, how could that be evil? So um, in terms of the Ouija board, you know, I think I refer to it as being like a telemarketer, you know, like you are dialing all these numbers and you don't know who's going to answer. And I do believe there are entities out there that are just like waiting to answer the phone, you know, like 1-800-DEMONS and they're just excited to answer. <laughs> and uh, and so sometimes, unfortunately, yeah, you can open up a, a door of communication and, and they can come into um, your life like that. And so some hauntings, including what The Exorcist is actually based off of. Um, really do originate from the Ouija board in, in which maybe a demon presented itself as like a child spirit. It's like, oh, my name's Timmy. You know, I'm six years old. My parents died. Can you help me find them? Can I stay in your house? You know, and they're like, oh, it's, it's a little boy spirit. It's cute. You know, or <laughs> somehow they think it's cute. And um, and then it turns, you know, it, it progresses into something violent and dark. And eventually the entity kind of reveals itself as what it is. So I always warn people to be careful to use protection before and after spirit communication to make sure you're calling upon divine entities rather than malevolent, dark things. Um, and to really just say some prayers or do whatever you're comfortable with to protect yourself and just set up that boundary. Right. Now, so 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 you mentioned that. So Ouija boards one way, but how... How in general do people come across demons? Like how, how or how do demons find the people? I would say. I mean, if if you're not doing Ouija board, how would how would it sort of happen? Right. Then that's a great point you just made too. Is like which came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, <laughs> I think I think that I honestly think that demons roam around and are just looking. You know, not to quote the um, like scripture per se, but you know, demons looking to devour souls and, and ruin the souls of many. Um, but basically, these entities are looking for uh, like prime suspects or, or, or clients and, and, and victims to prey on. And oftentimes what happens is that, say all of a sudden somebody decides that they're going to try a drug and they start to form an addiction. Um, or maybe they had um, a severe um, traumatic event and they're holding on to this negative depression or attachment to the, to the violent traumatic thing they experienced and they haven't resolved it. Um, you know, or maybe there's sexual abuse or chronic illness, things like that. There's some sort of dysfunction going on with this person or family, and it seems to attract these demonic entities. So oftentimes I'll, I'll see these homes are dysfunctional, like, you know, they might be hoarders, you know, the, the windows are like closed shut, um, you know, there might be an alcoholic in the family, um, you know, maybe one of the adolescent kids or, you know, one of their children and stuff is like suicidal or, you know, things like that. There's a lot of negative energy going on within the dynamic of the family. And so that seems to really be a prime location um, for, for demonic entities to reside in. And so and then they'll play off that and they'll make it worse. They'll amplify the whole problem in the household. So but oftentimes, like 99 percent of the time, I'll find some sort of issue that's going on within the family. And, um, and a counsel with them and try to work through it before we do the house blessing. But, you know, on rare occasions, too, sometimes, say, a priest will all of a sudden be followed by a demon because demons um, have egos and it's like a bragging right. Or, say, somebody um, has a chronic illness that will follow them from the hospital. Or, um, you know, there's times where people just move into a house and then there's a demon there for some reason, whether it was summoned there through, like, a satanic ritual or whatever, um, but more oftentimes than not, people attract demons to them. And um, so, yeah, sometimes people will meddle with the cult, unprotected, um, things like that. And uh, usually it's just negative energy in general, um, some sort of bad habit that brings them in. 
Yeah, that that must be really hard for you to determine, like, because with all of that stuff going on, like, you know, uh, abuse or alcoholism and all those things. So it's you kind of have to figure out if it's maybe a problem, just a problem, or if it's demons, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. Yeah. So so now I noticed, and now, now your book called uh, Fighting uh, Malevent Spirits, uh, so your darkest encounters. Um, what what would you say your darkest encounter was? Or oh, that's ah, that's a hard question. People always ask that. They're like, "What's the scariest thing you've experienced?" I'm like, "Oh gosh, you know, it just depends. Like different things scare me for different reasons." But yeah, I put together uh, like about eight different chapters, and seven of them, which were my experiences with demonic hauntings, and one of them is actually my mother's experience when she was younger. Um, and uh, yeah, the one that bothered me the most in terms of just like psychologically disturbing me was one that I just, it's never been solved and it's under my skin. And I, I thought it was important to include a chapter to show that like, not everything's always a happy ending. I mean, 98% of the time it's a happy ending for people. But um, this case, it was actually involving an incubus or a succubus, which, you know, I had read about, but I didn't know hundred percent if I believed in it, you know, like who believes in a demon that like sexually assaults people? Like how goofy does that sound? Um, until I'm sitting there with this family and I am hearing these reports of, you know, violent um, sexual rapes and stuff. And, and they thought it was a like an amorous ghost and they thought it was a joke. And so they would kind of play games with this spirit. And then it, they formed a telepathic bond with it. Like the, the husband would say, you know, perform uh, whatever certain sexual act in his head. And then the entity would do it. Um, and then it began molesting and assaulting um, the children in the family. And that just disturbed me so much. So I was like livid when it took one of the exorcists like nine plus weeks to deal with this case. And I was just like, oh, my God, you know, there's like a 14 year old girl that's being assaulted. Stuff like that really bothered me. And so we brought an exorcist. We uh, I contacted Lorraine Warren about that case as well, too, and performed house blessings and stuff like that. And um, it, the case never got resolved, even after exorcisms and stuff like that. And it really bothered me because, you know, I like to think everything can, you know, be conquered. And um, but this family had formed such a bond with this entity by involving willingly sexually with this entity that like it was almost impossible to get rid of. And um, and I also don't think the family's being 100 percent honest um, with their involvement with it. And um and another big reason why I think it didn't get resolved as well is because we didn't have all the children present for the house blessing. Like various people were missing from the household during the blessing. And so now I require everyone to be present the entire time there and to work through it together. Um, Cause there's a theory that demons can kind of like jump ship and, and go hang out with that person while they're away from the house and then return after the blessing. So you never really get rid of them. Um, but yeah, their poor dog died. Their chinchilla died. Like all this other terrible stuff happened. And this was the same, one of the same entities that actually visited me the morning of that house blessing before I left my own house. I was uh, blow drying my hair in the bathroom and there's a hallway and down the hallway you can see into the living room and the kitchen. And it wasn't even in my peripheral, like it was fairly close, like an inch or two um, away from my direct line of sight. And I'm blow drying my hair upside down and um, I'm looking down the hallway and I see this like, and this sounds crazy, but I swear to God this is what I saw. Um, like seven, eight foot tall, lanky black shadow thing, um, shoot extremely fast from the living room into the kitchen. And instantly the hairs on my body stood up and I knew exactly what it was. I knew it was the entity. You know, it was only a couple hours until I had to leave for the house blessing. And it just wanted to show up, be like, hey, this is what you're dealing with. 
you, you know, like come and try and get rid of me, you know, ha ha type thing and, and try to scare me off. And so, and it did shake me up. You know, I ran into the kitchen yelling at it because, <laughs> uh, you know, you got to put on this front, like, you know, that you're not going to stop no matter what and, uh, and, and try to be brave. But yeah, inside it does startle you and it, it did scare me. So does any of that, does ever followed you home or does any, uh, any place you've gone to investigate and then later it sort of trailed with you? Um, I think human spirits, like before I really got into doing house blessings, like I always bless my house and I do it seasonally. And if I, like, for example, I just moved into a new house, um, blessed it recently. Um, and, I, and I'll do period checkups and stuff like that. But before I did house blessings all the time, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I had some human spirits follow me, but nothing evil. And I've never had a demonic entity follow me after a house blessing. Um, they seem to go away. I don't know where they go, um, but they seem to be banished from that family. And then I'm not bothered anymore. It's it's always the problem is always before the house blessing. It's like you can feel the tension rising, like even like a month to two or three weeks before a house blessing. It gets really bad. I don't get much sleep. You know, I'll get disturbed and stuff like that. And I'll have these entities try to show up. And it's very brief. It's like they can't stay in the house for very long. Um, and I like to think that's because it's been blessed. So, <laughs> But they still seem to pop in once in a blue moon. That's happened twice. And it's very upsetting because you want to think it's like your safe haven. You know, you're like, oh, it's my, my safe little cave, you know, my safe house. Um, but then you have these intruders. And so it's uh, it's upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, so now I've, I've got something. What do you, this is kind of a little bit off, a little bit, but it's sure. not. Because the only reason is, is because... Um, I've had people that have sent messages about this, about the, uh, uh what's your feeling about witches? Um, like in terms of like dark magic or like, like bad stuff or well, just people of, that practice like Wicca or, um, well, kind of, I'm, I'm probably, um, not so much Wicca, more probably earth or herb witches because, you know, it's like, for instance, I've got one male here that, uh, uh email here that said, uh, that she, um, was had a, a witch uh she had a demon she believed in and uh this uh witch um performed a uh, uh a, give her a, a spell on her to uh take to take the demon away and uh and a, a cleansing spell or something like that here uh, is that sort of something you've come across or you think it sort of works or what um, I worked with one person that was more so Wiccan than pagan, um, and I've actually read a case too where they had a uh, like a warlock, like a, a male witch, um, come into the household and was actually able to remove a demonic spirit. I think whatever religion you are a part of, if you are working on behalf of good, um, that's all I can ask for. You know what I mean? Like if if somebody's able to remove a demon, um, something evil and dark. Um, from somebody's life and to get rid of it to me that's an act of kindness and love and, and divine um and i think it's interesting I, mean, I try not to go into religion because i don't want to offend people like i i was raised a christian and i have a very universal view like i accept and appreciate everyone's views um except for satanists obviously right. <laughs> but uh, but yeah it's um you know i think it clearly says that you know we are all God's children, and that's how I view it. Um, I really do, and I think that God, divine spirit, creator, Allah, whatever that divine creator is, has many names across the world. And so, you know, obviously these people that have evolved on different continents, different civilizations, you know, are going to have different practices and different concepts of what God is. But if the if the core of what the entity is that they're trying to do or something like that is light and love, like to me that's God, and, and that's all I ask for. So, so yeah, so I don't really have a problem 
um, with people that are practicing a different religion, just as long as it's not harming somebody or going against someone else's will. And I'm certainly happy if they're able to get rid of like a demonic entity. Like to me, I'm delighted, you know, the more help, the merrier. And we need more people working in this line, you know, spiritual warfare. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. And another one I get quite a few, uh, I've got emails here about, uh, I, yeah, I say, I, I think, I don't think this, but they, um, the questions about like they smell the scents of perfumes and things like that and they around them and stuff that's not typical of a demon stuff like that is it um not nice smells no <laughs> it's like putrid disgusting like if you can smell like you know a thousand rotting body rotting bodies or something just rotten flesh um burnt rubber or the smell of burning is, is very common but usually like putrid nauseating smells that really knock you to your knees um that happens um, often with demonic cases. And, you know, obviously there's no explanation. It's not something in the fridge that went bad, you know, or it's in a really random location, you know, like the bedroom, you know, things like that. Um, when you can't explain it and you experience putrid smells like that, though, those are pretty common for demonic hauntings. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so as a demonologist on your side and being in investigations, what's your sort of take on mediums? Um, like psychic me Honestly, <clears throat> I think... I mean, you'll, you'll get people that debate this, and I hate to go back into religion and stuff like that, but it, if people are Christian and they've read the Bible, it says very clearly in Corinthians, the gifts of spirit and the gifts of discerning, meaning there's two different types of spirit too, you know, demons and human spirits. Um, but when you look, I think it's honestly a gift from God. And I think there's fakes. There's a lot of phonies. Like I had this one medium. Oh my God, this woman, I don't know what she was channeling, probably something dark, but, uh, she made me cry during a reading and she was just being vicious and greedy. And like, it was a terrible experience. But, um, out of like that, the one time I've had a bad experience, um, all the other readings I've ever had have been amazing. And, um, I think psychics and mediums, when they connect with their loved ones, I think it reaffirms their beliefs about life after death. It, it's a calming therapeutic thing. It's healing and loving, you know, when we're able to hear from our loved ones. And so in terms of like research and stuff, I think mediums are, are helpful. They're a helpful tool and providing evidence that we might not be able to collect with our scientific means, you know, um, like using a digital voice recorder, you know, we might capture spirit voice, but when you have a medium, they can correct, um, connect directly with spirits and angels and stuff like that. So, um, <clears throat> but no, I don't, I don't have a problem with them as long as they are, um, you know, working on behalf of God and, and, and sharing their gift to help other people. And they're not charging, like, you know, a thousand dollars for a reading or a thousand bucks to get rid of a demon from your house, you know, like some of them do. Uh, you know, then I'm happy. It, it just, it just depends. But there are fakes, there's frauds out there, you know, like Miss Cleo. No. <laughs> <laughs> so they do exist, but I do believe there's a lot of gifted people here um, that we shouldn't demonize. You know, a lot of people think it's like evil somehow, but if they're able to speak on behalf of God or the angels to help give you life guidance or connect you with your loved ones, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Do you, do you ever find yourself going to one? Yeah, you know, I've, I've gone several times. <clears throat> um, one was for, we were putting together a show, and I, I really did want to find the best of the best. I didn't want some scam artist, you know. Um, and, and throughout my life, there's been times where where I really wish that God spoke to us, like, on a billboard, being like, Sam, go do this. And, like, thank you. That's all I need. Like, you know, it's something blatantly obvious. Smack me up inside the head with it, and then I'll know what to do. But, you know, God's mysterious. God doesn't always speak to us directly like that. And... So I think I found myself um, getting a couple readings, trying to make a right decision. Like, you know, should I honestly get this book published? You know, am I meant to really publish this book about demonology and stuff like that? You know, would it even work? Um, you know, things like that, where I was at a crossroads in my life. 
about a certain decision and the mediums helped me connect with, you know, angels and, and divine spirits to be able to decide what to do. And I've never had any bad advice. They've never led me astray. And it's always, um, you know, trying to do God's work um, that they've led me towards. And so, um, so I've been very happy with the readings I've received. Mm, good. Okay. Well, we're going to take another short break. We'll be back after this. We're back now. And um, when we left, we were sort of uh, getting into some of the uh, different other ways of, of, of other people investigating, like witches and things like that, and, and how they do it. Uh, well, what's your step-by-step process sort of when you uh, get an investigation coming up? So typically people will contact me through the website um, or directly through an email. And oftentimes, uh, you know, I usually don't get phone calls because I do like to keep my number private. And like I mentioned before to some people, you know, otherwise you get calls at like all hours of the morning, you know, and you, you want to try to live somewhat of a normal life. So, um, so anyway, so they'll contact me for a request and, you know, briefly describe in their message what kind of experiences they're having. Um, other times people are convinced that they have a demon already. And so you still have to be skeptical, like maybe it's not a demon. And a lot of people are scared and just assume it's demonic. But so you still have to go through the process to make sure it is in fact, or if it's not. Um, and so after that, I'll respond to their email. Usually we'll have like a phone conference or, uh, you know, anywhere from 30 minutes to several hours on the phone, kind of going through a history and pinpointing, you know, where where it originated from, this haunting. And, and the characteristics is a big part of the discussion, you know, trying to see if it is demonic or if it's just a human spirit. Um, and then from that point, we'll usually set up a schedule or a time for uh, for myself and if I have my partner. And, and usually I'll bring a partner and assistant um, on demonic cases with me just because, number one, it's nice to have, um, you know, a backup and moral support and things like that, too, but also safety reasons. So, um, so yeah, so then after that point, we'll actually go to the house and meet with the family or the client and sit and counsel with them. And that's, that's the biggest part. And it's not like some boring shrink appointment like a lot of people would think you know you got the shrink couch that they're sitting on or something and i'm analyzing their thoughts it's it's more so talking about you know what pain or negative habits going on in the family like what can we work on to heal and and resolve to to get rid of this attachment um because when when somebody is an alcoholic or has these negative habits it gives an attachment or a reason to be attached to that person for the demon and so once we heal and work through that and bring it out into the open, say the person's alcoholism, and we come up with a solution or a plan, you know, like, hey, let's just start by cutting back on it or, um, you know, don't be drinking at home type thing, um, you know, stuff like that. When we actually work on um, how to heal the family and acknowledging maybe the pain that's been caused by the alcoholic in the family um, and really get the family working together as a team. That is a huge part, in my opinion, of why the entity actually is able to be cast out in the end. Um, and so from that point, then, I use like a Christian, Catholic, Native American, and sometimes South American method, you know, where everyone burns white sage. So I do that. I'm very, very thorough about it. Um, and I also use sea salt or just regular salt, olive oil. Sometimes I use a thing called Palo Santo, which is like holy wood, and that's more South American method, um, and holy water. and. And the biggest thing that I like to end the house blessing with is a, a thing called the warfare prayer. And it's actually been um, designed in a way so it's non-denominational. So almost everyone can use this prayer. But the warfare prayer is great in that it denounces any involvement or any reasons for this demon to have an attachment to this family. You know, this person's claiming back their life, their body, their finances, their home, their happiness, you know, everything you can think of. You know, if there's been a curse, we're getting rid of that, you know, all sorts of stuff. And really asking 
you know, our divine creator to come into the house and to, to remove any evil from it. And, you know, I've had skeptics that were with me and I've had believers as well. And many of them, almost all of them can feel the difference once the entity leaves. And it might not even be at the end of the house blessing. Sometimes in the beginning, it leaves already. And, and you can just feel the difference. It's like if the house were dark and dirty and all of a sudden the, the windows are opened up and the house just takes a, a giant sigh or breath of relief. And it's just, it's a beautiful, happy feeling. Like all of a sudden the light comes into the home. That's, that's the sensation. Yeah. So, so do you typically, are, are you doing investigations now that are not de demonic or are you just doing regular? Uh, um, to be honest, I did take a little bit of a break. I haven't worked directly actually going to a case that was demonic in several months. I mean, we, we went through a family crisis, um, all this other crazy stuff too. And honestly, sometimes I really did think it was linked and revolved around some of the previous demonic cases I'd worked on. And, you know, I'd mentioned these things take a toll and mysterious illnesses and stuff like that. And so there is a part of you that kind of worries. It's like, gosh, do I, do I really want to keep working in this field? Is it going to kill me in the end? You know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, because we, we've had a lot of weird stuff happen over the last several years, especially this last, like, year, I would say. Um, so anyways, um, yeah, so I'm still working on cases. I've actually been asked to fly out to a case out in Pennsylvania. Um, and hopefully when I get a little bit more free time and possibly for filming by then, um, they'd be interested in having us film the, the case. And um, it's, it's something that's been lifelong for this person, so there's not, like, an urgency to it um, in their mind. So that's kind of good because usually I'll try to – prioritize which case is more severe, which one needs help the, the most or the, the soonest. Um, so yes, yeah, so I'm still working on stuff too. It's just, uh, I tried to tone it down a bit because otherwise it'd be every weekend, you know, it just gets intense. So. Yeah, too, too much work, no play. Right. <laughs> now, so, and, and who do you find as uh, an influence in the business? Who do you look up to or respect or is there someone that you follow or study or someone you have to kind of keep an eye on in the business? Um, I would have to say, you know, I haven't had too many role models in my life, aside from like my mother, you know, I love her. Um, but uh, Lorraine Warren, ever since I was a little girl, I was just like, oh my gosh, like Lorraine Warren's such an amazing lady. You know, her and her husband were just a phenomenal research and demonologist in the field and really made so much progress. But um, after getting to talk to Lorraine, um, she invited me out to lunch with her, I think when she was in was it Windsor? She was somewhere in Canada and I didn't have my passport renewed. So I was like, oh crap, you know, I got to scurry and go get my passport renewed because I'm going to go have lunch with Lorraine in Canada and hopefully get some answers for this case that was really bothering me. Anyways, turns out I had to film for the travel channel. So I had to make a choice. I was like, do I film something and teach people, you know, a certain thing on television or do I go get to have lunch with Lorraine Warren? And, but and it turned out also I couldn't get my um, driver's license or passport renewed in time to get the, um, uh, what is it called? Enhanced driver's thing. So I could get into Canada, but I wouldn't be able to come back into the U.S. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had to choose not to see Lorraine. But um, she is the sweetest woman um, that I've ever met in this field and just such a loving soul. Like, she's so powerful, too. That's what I think is amazing. You know, some people might see this, you know, beautiful, cute little elderly lady. But um, Lorraine's like a powerhouse, in my opinion. The stuff that she's been through and the things that she's battled through, like, I, I admire that. And to put her life and, and um, you know, safety on the line to help other people. To me, that's just admirable. And so I've always looked up to Lorraine Warren and her work. And um, and she was just the sweetest thing ever. And yeah, I mentioned it in my book, too, is when I called her. She answered the phone and started choking on her orange juice. 
And it got to the point where I was like, oh, my God, Lorraine, like, hang up the phone. Because I literally thought she was going to choke to death. And I was like, oh, God, the paranormal community is, like, never going to forgive me if, like, <laughs> Lorraine's choking on the phone with me. So, um, but, yeah, she's she's just a pleasure. And hopefully one day I'll get to meet her in person. It would just be such an honor. And, um, yeah, she's been very influential in this work, I would say. Hmm. Well, now, it's been an interesting talk here. And I thought what I'd do is finish off if you want to give your sort of uh, contact information. Sure. Um, if anyone wants to get a hold of me, the website that I use, that's honestly the best way to get a hold of me, is uh, www.michiganpra.com, as in Michigan Paranormal Research Association. Um, or they can email me directly at mpra at live.com. Um, you know, we've got plenty of Facebook fan pages if you just look up Michigan Paranormal Research Association and uh, different groups. And I've got, you know, an author's page on Facebook and other stuff like that, too, and social media links um, and, and lots of video and evidence for people to look at on the website. So if anyone wants to get a hold of me there, you're more than welcome to contact me. And if you're looking to get a good deal on the book, I always tell people, I think you get like a, a dollar and seven cents off or something. If you if you go to Amazon.com and order Fighting Malevolent Spirits, a Demonologist Darkest Encounter, um, or it's available through like Barnes and Nobles and the publisher Llewellyn. Um, anyways, but yeah, it's been such a pleasure. I appreciate it, Alan. This is a great talk. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. 
This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.